I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. I'm Caitlin Brown. And I'm Sue Smith. And, and we, we love scams. Oh, guys, we love, we love scams. We love you. We love, um, we love a lot of things. <laughs> we love. We do. We do. We love when we take those few seconds a day outside and get some fresh air. Oh, speaking of outside, <laughs> I had my weekly adventure today. You did. Tell me everything. Okay, so this morning I said to myself, where am I going to go to the grocery store? We know these adventures, these weekly adventures yeah. are only about grocery stores usually. Mainly food. Mainly yes. mainly food. So I was like, where am I going to mm-hmm. go to the grocery store? I was like, maybe I'll join Costco. Maybe that's what <gasps> I'm doing today. But no, oh, I drove by. Okay. The place was packed. I was like, not for me. No, you can't. And then I you texted. Jump in and then wagon. I thought, and then I thought of the like, two pounds of almond butter that I don't need. You know what I mean? <laughs> like everything's so big there. I don't need all that. No, it'll expire by the time you get to it. Exactly. So then I remembered a little birdie that who is my coworker told me that (laughs) Walmart has the cheapest groceries. And I was like, Walmart? Oh, my goodness. I didn't even think of that. And then I thought of it. (gasps) 
And so I drove to the Burbank Walmart and it was beautiful and glorious and wonderful. Really? Yeah. Was it like packed? It was. And like I had to wait a half an hour to get inside and there was a man behind me telling me talking about how COVID was a hoax and how he's still working (laughs) and how he went to the hospital a lot as a kid. So he is 60 and he's not going to get it because he has a a good immunity. So, you know, that's what happens when you leave the house. Yeah, I didn't (laughs) want to start talking to him. I didn't want to start talking to him. But then I was like, he seems like a nice old man. He's got a little kid with him. And then he's he's a hoaxer. No, he's a hoaxer. But (laughs) he's he's a hoax himself. He is a hoax. But they have the cheapest stuff at Walmart, the cheapest <gasps> produce. So we've been getting these bag salads. That's like a salad kit that's mixed. Really bad yes. for the environment with the waste and the plastic, but so good for but your vegetables, great. for you eating vegetables. Yes. We love them too. Walmart has them for three bucks. Oh my God. I'm uh. telling you, we usually spend like uh, like 180 like a little too much a week in groceries. But this week I yes. spent 139 baby. <gasps> that feels good. And I got and then so you, much stuff. You take that money and you buy a new plant with it. <laughs> well, yeah, I did spend $50 on a plant, on a potter for my plants. <laughs> I was going to say, before we start recording, I'm like, how are your plants doing? I I bought, I spent like $50 in a second on new plants. Oh. I'm like going plants crazy over here. She's plant bananas. <laughs> yeah, I'm plant bananas. I'm going to fuck my garden. It's a whole thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How are your seeds doing? My seeds are okay. All right. Here's the thing. Planting involves a lot of patience. And that is fascinating to me because I don't have any. So at first I'm like, oh, this could be a cool exercise. And then I start to get angry. I feel like I went through all the stages of grief with planting. I'm like, well, it should be better. I'm in denial. It's not happening. They're not even growing. They're dead. And then they're growing and then I'm mad at them. And now I feel for them. I have a lot of my unresolved feelings <laughs> about COVID put into these seedlings. That's okay. You know, send they those feelings to the seeds. They can take it. Yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. <laughs> they need it. They need something. They're bored. But we have some growth, right? We have some growth. Um, I'm waiting for those second fucking leaves to pop up. Not that apparently mm-hmm. the first of the seedlings is the seed leaves and then you need a second pair of leaves to get out there to really make it a real plant. And you guys, that takes patience, which I don't have. And I other plants that I've like snooped into other people's houses. Ooh, I mean, their plants are in front of their window, and their windows like are on the well, sidewalk. Yeah, you gotta so look. Monit- you gotta look. I've been monitoring these people's plants, and they're doing so well. And I'm a little plant jealous. No, don't get plant jealous. Your plants are great too. You got great okay. plants. <laughs> I see one right now in the background. But guys, what's really important today is that our guest. Oh my God, she posted. This Instagram story, she was doing research on this scam, and we're like, you gotta come on. Immediately, I reach out to her, so excited. I'm like, oh, by the way, this relates to us immediately. Like, we're like, she's living her best life, and we're like, oh, can you, can you be a part of ours again? Yes. <laughs> can you please be on our podcast? <laughs> what I loved about that was that you both messaged me like back to back. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize you did, Sue. I thought it was just, no, I yeah. Did too. I was like, come on, Hi. you guys. It's Ellen Hahn. Ellen is back. Welcome, Ellen Hahn. Welcome, Hi, guys. Back, Ellen. She's. Oh, I'm She's so fabulous. excited to be she back. Did amazing research. Yes. We're so excited to have you. She did our gut the ranker eyelash serum multi-level marketing scam yes. which was so good and now guys turns out she's also an expert in the mafia she's been studying the mafia during quarantine yeah i have it's so nice of you to call it a uh, studying because i guess <laughs> i read one book and then hey, it counts <laughs> yeah I, well i read 
This book is like, I, I do want to recommend it for anyone who wants to get into the mafia. It's called Five Families by a guy named uh, Sue and Rob. I'm not sure that I'm pronouncing his name correctly, yeah, but it's fine. like an 800 page like treatise on. You read that whole yeah, thing? Yeah, it's like, well, I, so this actually goes, <laughs> so I've been, I've been sewing a lot. And so I've been, I listened to the whole thing on audiobook and I've never been an audiobook person before, but this was like the perfect forum for it because it's kind of confusing. It can also be kind of dry sometimes because you're Uh going through like fat Tony shot other (laughs) fat Tony and then he got, (laughs) it gets very, (laughs) he got a bunch of years in prison. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. like confusing. And you're also a saint because you're making (laughs) like hospital gowns for people on the front lines during this time. You must follow Ellen's Instagram. Is it just Ellen Hahn? Yeah, just she's Ellen been Hunt. making PPE that like gowns that like look like gowns. They're beautiful for people. They're beautiful yeah. gowns for surgical workers. Right? It's amazing. Yeah, I've been making I've been making these gowns with the Broadway Re- Broadway Relief Project, which is in New York, and um, it's basically a bunch of like Broadway costume designers that got together and organized this big um they're not volunteering they're getting paid for it but they like got organized with the city so they got a contract from the city of new york Mm -hmm. so everything that we're making is going to like the hospitals in new york city and are you a costumer (laughs) so during yeah during college i worked at the uh costume shop and i had like a costume design emphasis also in my major which was very cool it's so much fun i haven't had a sewing machine for a long time and now i Got one again. We're having a great time over here. The things, <laughs> the ones that you're making look beautiful. Like, what are they? Yeah. Yeah. So they're, I mean, they're literally, they're surgical gowns for nurses and doctors. Um, And the way that it works is that, the way that the project that I'm working on works is that they cut all of the fabric, um, I believe in New Jersey, but it's all organized at this like Broadway rehearsal studio. Um, And then it's basically delivered like throughout New York City. And so people, you like go and pick up your big bag. And so you unfold it and you've got like 80 sleeves and 40 like bodices. And then you put it all together over the course of like a week. I love love that. that. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, Ellen, I'm so excited to have also have your service um, for our broadcast. Yes. I'm so excited to hear what you learned while you were sewing. I learned... You guys, I really learned so much. This book is like really incredible. I can't talk about it enough. And I also went back and then listened to the podcast that Alan was on. Yeah. Um, and he uses it as like a source material too. And he it is. Mwah, it's yeah. so good. He um, loves it. There's also another book about specifically. Okay. So I'm talking today about Vincent the Chin Gigante, who was the uh, boss of the Genovese crime yes. family um, from like 1981 until 2005, three, 2005 when he died. And so um, and I love him. We love a big <laughs> yeah, chin. He is. And he does have one. You can look, Google his picture. Nice. It's right Hot. in his name, Chin Gigante, the big chin. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> the way that he was called the chin because his mom, Vinci, his mom called him like Chinzino as like mm. a nickname for Vincenzo. And so that's where chin comes I like from. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, the chin implants, it's like a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then he really took to the next level. He really, he really went full throttle on that chin. He got fillers, yeah. yeah. Which crime family was this? The Genovese, Genovese family. Genovese? Genovese? Yeah. I don't know if you pronounce it Genovese or Genovese. It's really or, like, pretty. Either way. Yeah, it and is. And he was the leader of this. Yeah, he was the boss of the crime okay. family. Um, And I'm going to tell you his whole life story. Because Alan went into <gasps> yes. a little bit of detail. Or he did go into detail about the Windows case, which is like, that's at the end of my story. Okay. Okay, uh, but great. I'm going to do his whole life because he's fascinating and I love he this guy is so fasc- much. I remember he, he told us a little bit about it and Sue and I were like, we love this scammer. We, we love the chin. Yeah. 
he's a scam. He's a scammer on like many different levels because the mafia, okay. you know, their bread and butter is scams. That's how they make money. Yeah, right. True. And and then our friend Vincenzo, uh, the big chin, he's scamming. So he's like he's a scammer because he's in the mafia. He's also scamming all of Greenwich Village into thinking <laughs> that he is crazy and has <laughs> mental problems. What? <laughs> I um, love. Yes. That's yeah. So the other thing is that, like, I don't know how to – there's no way to describe what he did without being, like, deeply offensive because he pretended to be schizophrenic for, like, 30 years. Stop it. So <laughs> kidding. Yeah, yeah. No. No, I'm yeah. not kidding. It's He's just, the one in the bathrobe, Sue. Oh, He's the one right, who just right, ran right. around the bathrobe. Alan told yeah. us. Yeah. There's um there's a very famous story he and he did this to like prevent the FBI from um like figuring out who uh, figuring out what was up and it worked yeah and it totally worked um there's a story of the FBI showing up at his door and his he, at the time he was like living with his mother on Sullivan Street and they bang they like bang down the door they like march in they're trying to talk to the chin and he's in the shower with the sh- the shower on and an umbrella open what? like butt naked. That's, That's what so he was smart. doing. What a He's funny brilliant. idea! It is a really funny idea. Um, <laughs> I do also want to. I do also want to acknowledge that, like, what we understand about mental health is much different. Yes. Than, yes. It's way we different than like mental health. But this is also fascinating. Yes, <laughs> it is. It's it's a fascinating. The of this is fascinating. It's also really smart. It worked. It was. He was so powerful. He was kind of. This position of, like, the boss of bosses doesn't really exist because the commission agreed that it shouldn't. There shouldn't be one boss that's more powerful than the other bosses. But when he was alive, he was definitely the most powerful boss in New York oh, City. Wow. Yeah. And you don't really hear wild. that much about him, too. Like, you hear everybody's very famous on Gotti and, like, everybody, like, knows all these other ones. Yeah. Right. And it's we're going to get to Gotti, too, because he's also fascinating. Ooh. But, like, okay. Vincenzo really made that part of his thing he didn't want to be famous he didn't want people to know who he was right because he was like that that's going to attract bad attention that's going to attract like the media attention and it's also going to attract the fbi and we don't want either of those yeah things. any attention is not what they want yeah <laughs> right right um okay cool so vincenzo the chin gigante mm-hmm. is born in greenwich village in 1928 um he's one of five uh five boys they're mm-hmm. like a big italian family mm-hmm. living in greenwich village um and he kind of pretty quickly drops out of high school and just kind of becomes like a petty criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also – he's like a really big dude and he starts boxing actually. Um, he's oh. really tall, like very – a big hulking physique. physique. Um, and he starts boxing and this is kind of – that plus like the the petty uh, – petty crime that he was doing is like his entrance into the mob because the mob controlled boxing really like for most of the 20th century up until oh. like Muhammad yeah that that was like they would um they would manage boxers and fighters and they would like you know run the like the bookkeeping on people betting on the outcomes Ooh. of the oh, that fights makes sense. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so they were involved in all aspects of it um yeah okay so this is how he meets v- Vito Genovese who is the godfather of the family that Vincenzo goes on to like okay. run. Oh, so um, he wasn't like blood related. No, 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 no. That's another actually interesting thing that I learned about the mob is that not a lot. It seemed like a 50-50 split between oh. the men that were in it that wanted their sons to do it and then the others that like didn't want their sons to. Oh. Um yeah, you didn't in order to be like in um in order to become a made man or to join a crime family, you didn't necessarily have to be related to somebody in the family. Um, you had to be Italian. You, both of your parents had to be Italian, but you didn't have to be like a blood oh, relation. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So he hooks up with, like, Vito Genovese, um, and they start, like, doing doing crimes together. <laughs> doing the <laughs> and, dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing the... And so Vito Genovese, I don't want to get too in the weeds on him. Uh, I feel like most of this podcast is me saying, is going to be me saying, I don't want to get too in the weeds on this guy because there's so many interesting yeah. people you know, involved in this. Get in those weeds. Get like, in the weeds. We don't mind. We, we okay, great. have seven parts to this. Wait. We're so excited. Wait, can you tell us <laughs> this, about what year we're talking? Um, this is the 1950s. The okay, cool. Yeah. 19, yeah, the 1950s. And this is like him just starting to be like a little petty criminal in the Genovese crime Got family. Um, so at this point in time, the Genovese, it becomes, uh, the Genovese crime family is, uh, the, the boss is a guy named um, Frank Costello. He's the Don. He was a really kind of dapper dude. He was in high society. He like went to the Copacabana. People knew who he was. He kind of styled himself as like this kind of polished businessman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Vito Genovese, is I think the underboss, but he's a very powerful capo in the family. And Vito had had to flee the United States and go back to Italy during World War II, actually. And then he's back in the U.S. now. And this is when he really starts making a play to, like, run the family himself. Um, Mm -hmm. Vito's also, like, into dealing heroin and, like, narcotics trafficking, Mm -hmm. which, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When you get into it, you can't get out of it. That's so great. Yeah. and Frank Costello was like, this divide happens a lot. Frank Costello was more of like the white collar um, crime uh, in terms of like union rackets and like uh, mm. betting. Um, and Vito Genovese is like the guy who's into like uh, drugs <laughs> and like <laughs> running, like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, trafficking. Um, so basically Vito Genovese, this is not really something that's done a lot, but we're going to talk about it twice today. Uh, Vito Genovese um, gets Vincent the Chin to put a hit out on Frank Costello. Um, wow. Yeah. Even yeah. I know that so, that's like, that's you're not bad. supposed to hit another boss. Yeah. You're not supposed, you are not supposed to kill the boss. That's one of the commission rules that you're not supposed to put a hit on somebody who is in charge of a crime family without the approval of the other heads of the yeah. other crime families. Wow. Um, and this was like that, that rule was in order to prevent like one of them pr- from becoming more powerful than somebody else. Mm-hmm. So like, what happened at the end? Of, what happens at the end of Godfather Part Part One is not realistic. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Got yeah. It. Haven't um, seen anyway. it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. So, so yeah. So the chin is basically training for a long time. He's becoming a sharpshooter to kill Frank Costello. And wow. this is 1957. He. Um, he follows Frank Costello and a friend into the lobby of his hotel, which is the Majestic, which is the building right across the street from the Dakota um, mm-hmm. on Central Park West. Mm-hmm. And he is in the lobby with a doorman and he shoots him and Frank ducks and he misses. Like the bullet like just goes right. It's like a <gasps> surface wound. Grazes, yeah. It grazes him, yeah. Oh. So Frank Costello survives, but he's so freaked out by this that he just abdicates and lets uh, Vito Genovese take over the family. Wow. Really? Yeah. Like fight so, back. Wow. Yeah. 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 So it uh it worked. Was um <laughs> this was this um the chin's like first big thing with the family? Ugh. Yeah, it was the first, yeah, and it was kind of also the first time that not the first time, but like the fact that Vito asked the chin to do this was a really big okay. deal. Because this was like yeah. there were probably only like three other people that knew this was gonna happen. It was like Vito and uh, the chin and then the guy who was like driving the car. Uh, um, and then just as a point of clarification, so everyone thinks he's schizophrenic? 
Not, Not yet. yet. Okay. Uh, this that's going to happen in like five okay, years. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So the Costello guy is his own family. He's not in the Genovese family. It's the Genovese family. Yeah, it's yeah. his own family. Oh, Costello's in that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. We. I think at the time. I. I. Th- I think I'm right about this. I think at the time it was called the Luciano family. Now we call it the Genovese family because mm-hmm. of Vito Genovese. Okay. Um, yeah. But this is him taking over that family. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so he does – so the Chin does go to trial for this uh, – for the murder, but the doorman refuses to testify because he doesn't want to get killed, obviously. No. Um, so he's acquitted Sorry. for the murder. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So then, unfortunately, the very next year, he is convicted of heroin trafficking along with Vito, <laughs> the head of the crime family, and they both get sent to prison. Well, heroin will do that. Yeah, it'll do that to you. <laughs> um and so then, so he actually, he's paroled within five years pretty quick. So like pretty quickly, mm-hmm. mostly because I guess there was like a letter writing campaign saying that he was a really nice guy. <laughs> so anyway, he he gets out of jail pretty quickly for um, trafficking heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, and once he, this, so once he gets out of prison, he uh, apparently really hated it. Obviously, I don't think prison is a pleasant experience. Not a picnic. But he... After that experience, he basically decides that he, like, doesn't ever want to go back. And this is when he starts acting like a quote-unquote crazy person. And he starts pretending to be schizophrenic. And he starts – he will walk around Greenwich Village Village in a bathrobe and his pajamas. Um, So – because once he gets back on the street, he is really good friends with Vito Genovese still. And uh, Vito is still running the family from inside prison. (laughs) These guys do that even when they go to prison. They're so good at it. It's wild. wild. Mm-hmm. It's the only like yeah. thing where you can keep your job if you go to jail. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Such security. It's, yeah. it's them and Martha Stewart. Yes. Like, <laughs> and the Mormon guy. What is it? Warren Jeffs. He ran. He oh, ran. No. He ran, runs the oh. um, super conservative Mormons from prison. Oh, oh God, yeah. God, I can't. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well. Well, it all checks anyway. out. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, now that you say it, that all makes sense. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So as soon as he gets out, he's like still in good – he's still in touch with Vito Genovese. Um, and this is – he becomes a made man in the family and he's promoted to capo. Capo means like you are a uh, – you're a boss. You're like in charge of your little like group of people and they're mm-hmm. all running like bookmaking schemes and gambling schemes and they're all reporting to you and you're taking a cut of their earnings. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So he's like working his way up the family. Um, and he's very powerful. He he kind of has this combination of being like really good at the white collar stuff, like uh, like bribing unions and um, running like loan sharking rings. And also he's like a huge, like enormous, like tough guy. And he like, you know, he beat a bunch of people up and he killed people. So yeah. he's the best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> he plays both teams. Yeah, he's a brain and all. a beauty. Yeah. <laughs> He's the whole package. Wow. He's the whole mafia package. Um, so this is okay. So he's just becoming more and more powerful. Um, in 1969, this is one of the funniest things he does. He's married at this point. He's starting to have kids. He moves with his wife and family to Old Tappan, New Jersey. He is arrested because he tries to bribe the entire police, like all of the policemen in Old Tappan, New Jersey. He tries to bribe all of them to, to, yeah, to tell him if they're investigating him or not. Oh, my God. Which I think is. That doesn't make sense. I mean, it does make sense, though. It's very funny. It's so ballsy. But how do you bribe them all to see if they're 
I don't maybe I just maybe don't he did it I, one by one I think probably. yeah and I think he was maybe also like if the FBI comes snooping around or like if the state police start coming around please tell yeah. me <laughs> like yeah. he had them yeah, he had it, the police working for them for him yeah exactly yeah. but it didn't work out no it didn't work out I guess one of them one of the police officers was like no we're not gonna do that <laughs> um, <laughs> um so he's like he's indicted on these charges but then his lawyers start to present all this evidence that he is mentally unfit to stand trial. Um, Mm. And he gets so many psychiatrists to sign off on this. Like, uh, like, Sue, so many. And not just, we're going to come back to this later. It's not just like mob doctors, you know? It's not like a mob lawyer and like a mob doctor who will like sign a piece of paper and be like, oh yeah, this guy definitely has schizophrenia. They're going to like doctors at Columbia and at Harvard. Yes. Wow. So he really researched... He must have been a good like, actor. He was an expert on it. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he knew what he was doing. And he also was like a great actor. He really didn't, uh, like he committed character. to the bit. No, he didn't Wait, break did character. His kids think that he was crazy? Did his wife think did he was crazy? Did everyone around him? Yeah. Well, yeah, like kind of is the answer to that. So there's his daughter actually wrote a book and I read a little bit of it. It, it was really interesting. At a certain point, she figured it, at a certain point, she did understand that it was like an act but also he really wasn't living with his kids that much he because the his kids were growing up in new jersey and for the most part he would live at his mother's apartment in greenwich village and then go across the street to the um the social club where he was like running his uh where he was running the family out of and then also he would go to his mistress's apartment on the upper east side Mm -hmm. where he had three other children (gasps) so oh boy yeah He's yeah. uh, he's scamming a lot of people here. Bad guy. Yeah. He sounds like he's like not very much invested in the children he creates. No, he's Bad not. Bad guy. Uh, no, he's not. Although I guess I don't know that that's fair. He's he's certainly not around a lot. I think that we'll See, come back we to this theme him at the later. Heroin and then you have extra kids and you ignore your family. Now we don't now like we you. Don't like you. We've, <laughs> turned. <laughs> We've turned. Now we've turned. Uh, on your chinny chin You crossed the line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm. This is just a... This is like, yeah, so he was, at this point, he's living with his, he's living in his mother's apartment on Sullivan Street, um, and Yolanda, his mom, had this really fantastic quote where somebody said, like, your son, he's running this, he's a mob boss, and she, Yolanda says, boss, he's boss of the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. She had no idea. I love her. I'm sure that mom, though, was, like, smitten that her kid was with her. She's like, all I want is my son to be close to home. Yeah, I don't care what he's doing. <laughs> I know. Just stick around. So, yeah, but, like, that was his day. He would, like, exit his mother's apartment. He would kind of wander around Sullivan Street for a while in his pajamas, in his bathrobe. A lot of times he would just, like, urinate on the street. Um, and a you lot of times it. he would have a bodyguard with him. Like, he'd have one or two people. A couple times this was sad. He would make his kids go, like, walk with him. Um And then he would just go right across the street to the social club at, like, you know, starting at, like, 8 o'clock at night and then, like, do business all night long. Wow. Wow. Okay. So at this point, it's it's 1972. I think the FBI – it's a little hard to track when the FBI figures out that he is the boss Mm -hmm. of the family or not. Um, I – my impression is that they don't figure it out until the mid-80s um, after the commission case when they get somebody to flip and start talking. Um, okay. But if you hear the FBI describe their work, they will kind of say that they all along knew that he was crazy and pretending. Embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind can't. of... 
So this other guy that was leading the family is still in jail now? Yeah, he's still in jail. He's re- He runs the family until he dies. Um, and then after he dies, a new guy is the boss of the family named, his name is um, Philip Benny Squint Lombardo. Philip Benny Squint. Um, so so you know, Chin Benny Squint- never is the whole boss of the family? He becomes the boss in 1981 when Benny Squint okay, dies. Got it. Oh, okay. finally. Actually, that's... That's not true. He doesn't die. He steps down for health reasons. Um, but I do want to quickly back up to like 10 years earlier. And th- there's a murder of another mafia guy named Crazy Joe Gallo. And the feds think that the chin is involved. And they go to his apartment, his mother's apartment on Sullivan Street, and to interview him. And he's just wandering around talking to himself. And so they leave and they never even ask him anything. Oh, brilliant. Wow, perfect. Done so yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think he was also probably, probably like known in the neighborhood as like, the local crazy guy, the local yeah, you know. and you have all these people vouching for you that you peed on their lawn, so they're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he also uses the fact that he was a boxer to explain some of. He's like, I have brain damage from boxing. Right. Wow. He's yeah. so smart. He's a real method yes. actor. He's really mm-hmm. done his homework. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. So in 1981, he becomes the boss. When Benny Squint, he's st- he, Benny Squint doesn't die. He steps down for health reasons. Those are the three ways you can stop being the boss. You can die. You can, I guess, go to prison mm. or you can, like, step down because you have health reasons. <laughs> mm. And everyone still likes you, so they'll let you do that. Um, wow. Okay, so in 1981, he's the boss, but they pick another guy named Anthony Fat Tony Salerno uh, to be the front boss. Um, and wow. it seems There's a lot of Salerno stuff in Williamsburg. It would not surprise me if, yeah, Williamsburg was pretty mobbed up. There's this guy, Mario Salerno, who's a big um, landlord there who was just on TV with Trump for forgiving people's rents for three months, which is good. But oh, yeah, okay. Salerno family is big in Williamsburg. Yeah. Huh. When you started that story, I was like, I'm not going to like this guy. And then you ended. I was I like, know, okay, good guy. guy. <laughs> I know, I know, it's a good guy. <laughs> what a guy. Nice. <laughs> the, it seemed to me that this was something that the Genovese family kind of figured out when Vito Genovese was, was in prison, that it was, it's like a pretty sophisticated maneuver to have somebody in charge yeah. and then to have somebody else that is kind of like, the front boss mm. where you right. kind of where you're kind of ruling by committee a little bit where there is definitely one person in charge but there it looks like there are more people around that person so then that person yeah. takes the fall more okay yeah yes yeah which is which we're gonna get to <laughs> okay so he is widely considered at this point in time the most sophisticated and powerful boss in new york um the chin so here are the here are the rackets that the genevieve's family is running um and Alan talks about some of these. They're all so fascinating. Bookmarking. Mm-hmm. So bookmarking is the first one. That is, do you guys understand what that is? No. Because I didn't. No. Okay. So that's like a bookie. That's like just like betting on sports. Right. Like if I want to put $100 on this game, I like know a bookie and I'll put $100 on it. Um, and basically because of bookmarking, they get into loan sharking. So if like if I get really in debt and I owe my bookie a bunch of money, I can go to somebody else who will give me this loan and charge me like a crazy interest okay. rate. So if right. I owe my bookie $100, I'm going to have to pay this loan shark like $500 oh, okay. by the end of it. Okay. Yeah. So that's – and that's like what most mafia families are doing. Um, mm-hmm. They also have a huge control of the garbage industry in New York. Um, <laughs> so in New York, they the city will only pick up garbage from like residential apartments. If you like are a business, you have to have a private garbage. Yeah. Yeah. So they control um they control a bunch of these like private garbage companies. And they oh, wow. they say like, oh, that was, you know, however many tons. And it's of course more than like the actual garbage that they're picking up and um, right. they're cooking the books. Do you know it. they yeah. still do you know if they still do that? If it's still 
the private garbage is still linked to the mafia? It is. Is it? Yeah. Oh, oh, I don't know if it's linked to the mafia, but it is. You're not allowed to. You have to have your have own. have to set up their own yeah. private. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's mobbed up anymore. I not. heard it was like there's a big difference in the industry because the city ones are unionized and then the um, private ones are not unionized. So the labor conditions are really bad. Um, okay. So the other thing that they do, um, the, the Genovese family is doing, well, there are a bunch of other things. I'll go through them quickly. Um, they Take your time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I keep fine. saying there's no rush for us. We're fascinated. This is like you're teaching a class in quarantine. Um, I pretend that uh, I'm very busy and <laughs> really have to rush through things to get to the next. <laughs> nope, um, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but I don't. Neither are listeners. Our listeners, everyone's just hanging out. <laughs> um, so this one, this one kind of hurts my heart because because uh, uh, I like unions. I'm in unions. We're a union family. Yeah. But the Teamsters and a lot of labor unions get mobbed up. And the mob is um, working both sides of these deals where they try to control – they try to infiltrate the union and control the union from inside. But then they also are, like, threatening people that employ the union, like, oh – like the union isn't going to show up, so they're bribing people on both yeah. sides of the equation. Yeah, why? It's not very nice to get money. Okay. To so w- where they really start doing this is the Javits Center, mm-hmm. which is built in 1979. Um, and so there's a carpenters union that at least at least at this point in time, there's a carpenters union that controls all of the work at the Javits Center. So like, if a convention is showing up, um, they you can only hire this union to like build all the little booths and then take them down again. Um, So the, the Genovese family ends up controlling that union. And so they give out a bunch of like no show jobs to men that are in the mafia. And then they also tell the people that are like, you know, coming to the Javits center to have a convention. um, This is how much it's going to cost. And that price is inflated. Got yeah, it. they so just determine the cost. Yeah, yeah, for their own employees. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the Javits Center was like a bunch of money to build, and then not a lot of people, not a lot of conventions wanted to come because it was so much more expensive than like going to another convention center in another city. Mm. The other thing that they do is that they run the Fulton Fish Market, which that's also oh, wild. Like yeah. hearing the story about that, like. They controlled the unions that would – so there were a bunch of different unions that worked at the fish market. Like, So if you are a – you're a fisher and you like <laughs> roll up in your truck and you got a f- bunch of fish in the back that you're trying to sell at the fish market, there's a union of people that like will take the fish off your truck and then take it to the market. And if you're not bribing those people, they're literally not going to pick up your fish. So your fish is just going to sit and rot on the <laughs> sidewalk. <laughs> it's so crazy because you can't move your fish yourself i guess it's just like they would truly this is truly they would kill you if you tried to do that damn it's a real it's a a real fish fish out of water situation yes you get that fish out of water gotta get it taken care of somebody's got to put it somewhere (laughs) that is nuts yeah oh and then the last thing that they do is that they run the did you guys ever go to the the um, the San Gennaro Festival yeah. in Little Italy. Yeah. So yeah. they mobbed that up for a long time, too, and they stole a bunch <laughs> of money from the church. No. Oh, yeah. That church. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. They would, like, bribe – they would bribe people that were, like, setting up, like, little booths and stuff. Mm-hmm. You had to pay off the Genovese family. <gasps> and that didn't get – that didn't get cleaned up until 1995. Oh. I'm that, sure. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. I thought – <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's all – that that's all of the business of the Genovese family. Um, and so this is how – Vito, or not Vito, sorry, um, Vincent, 
our chin friend, um, he he runs the family in a very secretive, but also in kind of a egalitarian way. Mm. He shared a lot of the money with his capos and like underbosses. He didn't like the Genovese family was making a ton of money. They were by far the wealthiest family at this point in time. Um, this is like the 80s. Um, but like the Gambinos would take a huge cut of whatever money you were making. And the um, Vincent decided he didn't want to do that. He's still taking mm. a, a cut. He's still mm-hmm. taking a pretty big cut. But he's making sure that like everybody is getting rich across the board. That's, well, that's nice. That's how it's done. That's, that's you, how you should do yeah. it. And that's, yeah, that's the way to keep your people. Yeah. Exactly. That's being a good boss. Mm-hmm. So he he does that because he also puts this rule in place that you can't say his name and saying his name is punishable by death. What? So if, if you want to refer to... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the mob boss who must not be named. Yeah. Um, if you want to refer to him, you're supposed to either point to your chin or like make the letter C and hit your chin. Um, or you could also call him your aunt. For some reason, I don't know what, what? that one has to do with I the other two. I love that third one. <laughs> this is so literal, like, literal at a left field. <laughs> He's schizophrenic. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's so random. It's so weird. Yeah, that wow. actually is maybe the only evidence of his actually having a mental illness. <laughs> <Yes>. 100%. <laughs> it's like he's I getting too big it. for his britches. Yeah. Yeah. It. The reason that he does that is that because at this point in time, the FBI is starting to wiretap people. And he figures he figures that out kind of earlier than everybody else. And so, th- so that's – I'm sure there was part of it that was an ego thing also. But that's the main reason that he puts that rule in place because he wow. doesn't want to be caught anywhere. Got it. That's amazing. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, once you get that big, you do have a lot of people working under you. You do have a lot of, like, directions people are trying to follow, and they need to know that it's okayed by the chin. And it's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so 1985 is the start of the commission case, which is – which Alan talked about. This is the FBI going mm-hmm. after the concrete club. Mm-hmm. Um so the commission case is the commission case is the first huge FBI case against the mob. And it's literally they're pressing charges against the leaders or who they think are the leaders of all of the five crime families. Okay. So I have their names here they're just because these names are great. So there's mm-hmm. Big Paul Castellano from the Gambinos, mm-hmm. Tony Ducks Corallo from the Lucchese family, Rusty Rostelli from the Bonanno family, uh, Jerry Langlangella from the Columbos, and then Fat Tony Salerno, yes. our friend Fat Tony. Wow. So Fat Tony is indicted because the FBI thinks that he's the boss of the Genovese family. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's why he's in. And and the chin is not indicted. Um, do you guys know who's the prosecutor of this case? Marsha oh. Clark. No. Another famous prosecutor? Kardashian. No. They were both still in California. It was Rudy Giuliani. No, really? <gasps> yeah. Rudy. It was his first big um it was his first big uh prosecution as he was the the head of the Southern District of New York. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. Risky. <laughs> I guess we have to give him credit for this. Yeah. Um, Cuz he was responsible for getting rid of a lot of the mob stuff somehow. Yeah. Um okay. So this the commission case doesn't actually end until 1987. It goes on for like a long time. It's like two full years, um, and everybody is convicted for life, including poor little fat Tony. Um, oh.
You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. So we're going to take a brief uh, sojourn over to the Gambino crime family okay. to touch very briefly on John Gotti because um, this comes back to the chin. So Paul uh, Paul Castello is um, – oh, uh, Castellano, sorry. Paul Castellano is the head of the Gambino crime family and John Gotti is the underboss. And John Gotti does what Vito Genovese tried to do and has Paul Castellano killed at Spark Steakhouse, which is in the middle of Midtown. Um, yeah, yeah so it's pretty obvious. wild. He, the other crazy thing about it is that like there were, I want to say there were like five or six, uh, sh- shooters that killed him and they were all wearing like Russian coats and Russian big fur hats. They all dressed the same so that oh, people yeah. wouldn't be able to tell who was who. Oh my gosh. Very obvious though. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Very obvious, but it, it, it's sort of like the hiding in plain sight thing. Like if everybody mm-hmm. looks the same, then mm-hmm. yeah. Ugh. Anyway, so this makes... Um, the chin really mad because Gotti doesn't ask permission from the commission mm. to kill um, to kill Paul Castellano, he and he is successful. Does he doesn't it. just skim him; he really gets him. Yeah, he actually he actually gets him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and so like also because Vincent is like the most he's the most powerful boss right now because a he was the most powerful boss in the first place, and b everybody else is facing this huge criminal trial where they're probably going to go to prison for the rest of their lives. And the other thing is that John Gotti is just like the exact opposite of the chin in terms of like Mm -hmm. style. Mm -hmm. Like we all know John Gotti because he dressed really nicely and he wore these really flashy suits and he like loved the New York Daily News and the Post and he like totally courted um, media coverage. Mm -hmm. And um, the chin just thinks that this is like awful. Mm -hmm. He thinks it's really bad for the mob. He thinks it's really... He thinks it's a bad look. So yeah. he puts a hit out on John Gotti. Whoa. Um, Uh-oh. So in 1986, yeah, there's a car bomb planted outside of uh, the Bergen Social Club in Bensonhurst, which was John Gotti, one of John Gotti's, like, hangouts. And it kills the underboss. And it also kills a capo that looks like Gotti but isn't Gotti. Mm. Um, 
the the thing that kind of bizarrely saved John Gotti was that he was always surrounded by media, so it was really hard to kill him. <laughs> like, oh. it, yeah. Um. So okay. So the commission case ends. Um. The heads of all of these crime families. Uh, go to jail. They're convicted for life. And wait, Gotti's not a part of that. Gotti's not. Convicted. No, be, no, because he, uh, Paul Castell. The the convictions or not the. Oh, the guy that was already dead. The trial started in 1985, and then he kills him like the year later. And okay. and then the case ends in 1987. Okay, right. So after that case is over, uh, we get our first big informant. It's a guy named Vincent the Fish Carafo, um, <laughs> who's who's in the he Genovese stinks. family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's been sitting on that dock for too long. Ugh, fish <laughs> turned. He turned real bad. <laughs> Somebody pay to get this guy offloaded. <laughs> um, so this is the first time that the FBI figures out that uh, Fat Tony was not actually the head of the of the crime family; that it was the Chin all along. Wow. Um, and so Carafa also tells them that the Genovese family had been keeping up this ruse since 1969. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so the, the FBI, the FBI was like very, very tricked. And they even have so on cool. this is interesting. On one recording, they had um, they had Fat Tony saying, like, I don't know, I'll leave this up to the boss. Like, they had that evidence, but they just didn't put it together. Wow. Or maybe they did. If there's an FBI guy that is listening and mad at me, I'm sorry. There's <laughs> always an FBI guy listening. Always. There's always one That's listening. That's true. We have great, great, consistent FBI listeners. <laughs> they love our vague coverage of the facts. <laughs> They love us reading one book and getting yeah, and being really getting really, yeah. Why not? The, after this huge Rico case, he becomes just like even even more secretive, and he continues to up the crazy act. He actually like checks himself into like psychiatric hospitals to like get the evidence Whoa. on the books. Wow! There was one hospital that he went to a lot in like the Hudson Valley, where he would check <laughs> in and be like, "I'm back." I love this. <laughs> yeah. And his daughter had this – his daughter Rita wrote a book and she had this kind of sad story where she remembered going – she at this point had figured out that he was not actually crazy, but she like went to go visit him at the hospital and she was like, I remember being really mad because there were people there that were really sick and she was like, I knew he wasn't sick. <gasps> wow. Yeah. In 1990, he is finally indicted for the first time on the Windows case, which – Yeah. Which I Alan talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is, for people that didn't listen to that episode, that's the case where the Genovese crime family is running a scam on the New York City Housing Authority where they are, all of these windows have to be replaced to be like better windows and they are charging the city an arm and a leg to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, his lawyers say that he's mentally unfit to stand trial. He shows up to court in pajamas and a bathrobe whenever he has to. And this starts a literal seven-year legal battle over whether or not he's mentally fit enough to stand trial. Wow. Yeah. So that whole, those seven years, he was like free on bail. He had a million dollars like sitting around (laughs) and he's still running the family. Damn. Right. Yeah. It's true. It's truly bananas. What Um, a good scammer. Yeah. I I know. So then in 1993, there he is also indicted on the murder and conspiracy to kill John Gotti and then like some other murders. In 1996, Sammy the Bull Gravano, who is Sammy the Bull Gravano is the guy from the Gambino crime family who ends up flipping on John Gotti and sending John Gotti to jail. He mm. testifies that the chin is sane. And th- at this point in time, they actually do send the chin to jail. 
Whoa. Because he's convicted. Yeah, so he's convicted on the conspiracy with the Windows case, but he's not convicted on the murder charges. Um, just because there wasn't there wasn't any tape of him being like, yeah, kill John Gotti because mm-hmm. he was smart enough about it. He never got himself on tape. That's okay. That's, so that's why um, I used to watch Mob Wives, right? And there was this yeah. girl who was, I think, the daughter or like granddaughter of. Sammy the Bull, and she, mm-hmm. her family had to still be in hiding. And that's probably why, because <gasps> this guy fucking turned on so many people. Yeah, and he was wow. like the first... I talked about the... Well, we talked about the stinky fish who, who flipped. Um, yeah. But Sammy the Bull Gravano flipping was the... People think of it as the first because it was like the first really, really high-profile guy to flip. Really shaking the whole thing. Yeah. He starts he has to go back to jail eventually because in the witness protection then he starts dealing heroin again. <laughs> oh boy. Heroin always gets ya. <laughs> heroin always gets ya. <laughs> it brings you back in. You give a guy a break and he just won't. He just does heroin. <laughs> he won't take it. Well, but like what's he gonna do? What are his skills? You know how how's he gonna make yeah. money? He just yeah. needed to like, I don't know, sell a pool or something. <laughs> Go work at Home Depot. Yeah, go to Walmart and sell people groceries. Talk about conspiracy theories and, you know, be in charge of the plant section. Exactly. Exactly. So he so he's convicted on the conspiracy, but not the murder charges. He goes to jail. Um, He he again, it keeps running the family from within prison. And the feds at this. This is the chin. Yeah. Yeah. So the chin is still running the Genovese family for prison. The feds are continuing to watch him, obviously, because he's in prison and they can. (laughs) Um, And so in 2002, he's charged with obstruction of justice for pretending to be criminally insane. Um, They finally got him. This this is a little sad. They they get him because his one of his sons eventually does join join the Genovese family. And his son is sending the messages from his dad in prison to the rest of the family. Okay. and so they have a lot of evidence from these prison phone calls and meetings with his son. And they also, I think, were, like, messing with his medications, um, trying wow. to get evidence to be like, oh, you don't actually need that. Like, your your behavior didn't change at all. Um, wow. Damn. Yeah. Wait, so and did so, they get the son to talk? Like, did the son confess? Um, so, no. They actually um, – the chin kind of confesses. He They make him – he ends up taking a plea bargain and pleading guilty because they say that if he doesn't do that, they're going to charge the rest of his family with obstruction of justice. Um, okay. So not just his son, but like all of his like children and his wife and then his mistress and his mother. Um, mm. And he also he also has this brother named um, Louis Gigante, who is a rev- like a, a Catholic priest. priest. Yeah. Wow. And um, he he for like his entire career had said, like, my brother is insane. Like, you people are bullying my brother. He has a mental problem. Um, and so wow. it, so that's kind of why the chin agrees. That's why the chin takes a plea bargain. And he famously didn't sign his name. He just signed an X because he, he still wanted to um, obey Omerta and not actually confess. But when they actually, when they were going after his actual family, he, that's when he finally confessed. Wow. wow. Once you go after the mom. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> when you go after Mama, it's it. <laughs> he lived with Yolanda for so long. Yeah, he's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he dies in 2005 in prison. Um, he's buried at St. Anthony of Padua Church in Greenwich Village. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Wow. Is his family still going on? Is there any, like, facts on his family? Or is that all kind of dispersed? The Genevieve's family? Yeah. Yeah, they still are operating. It's kind of hard 
it's kind of hard to tell. Like, I've been, like, reading, like, the Daily News and whatnot to, like, to tell if the mob in New York is, like, like, I'm sure it still exists and they're still, like, running some scams and stuff. Um, But it's hard to tell kind of actually how powerful they are anymore. I've heard that they're very involved in MTA shit, but I don't know. That's Mm. just what I've heard. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's fucked. That's expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a real fucked up situation. So, yeah, that makes sense. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's so cool that he committed to this bit for so many years. (laughs) Yes. It is just a bit. It's so funny. Wow. I mean, because it was like 30, 35 years. Damn. Well, that's so interesting because he he did avoid going like that five year stint for him from the heroin bust for jail like really was enough to just change his whole life and go like I will put in so much of my time energy and intelligence into never going back to jail and yeah. he, he lasted a long time wow damn so wow cool. that's amazing yeah. I know and I feel like w- as we're talking there's just so many families and it's like I'm sure that there are tons of scam stories inside every single family and like going back and forth and and I'm also really curious about like what it would be like for these like great granddaughters like if one of us like like how family lore continues and like how people who were related to these men how what they're doing now yeah yeah it I know crime is bad but it's so fascinating it's fascinating fascinating. Ellen this is great thank you so much this is amazing and if people (laughs) at home are making their own PPE and they need to listen to a book Tell them the name of your book that's just came out. Oh, yeah. Yes. You should listen to, I do the audiobook along with uh, Laura Lane and Amber Williams. Uh, you should listen to Cinderella and the Glass Ceiling and other feminist fairy tales. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's you. so good, guys. We love it. We love you so much. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you for teaching us. And if you want to do any more deep diving, we'll always have you. <laughs> yes. Let us know your next passion project. Yeah, you guys. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read a book, and I'm gonna come to you again. Okay, great. Do Thank it. You. It's our favorite. And if you guys know, you guys out there know any crime stuff about? Yeah, if these you're related families, to anybody. <laughs> oh my god, tell us your stories. We want to know. Yeah. You can email us at scamwoppodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call us on our hot tip hotline because you know I love a phone call at three four seven five zero nine nine four one four. And stay safe out there. Oh, go to our, yes. um, you know, website, scamwoppodcast.com. <laughs> yeah. And we have a Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. We have our Patreon there. We have all, all kinds of like exclusive hot Patreon topics that you can see and, uh, you know, keep you busy during quarantine. Yeah. We got the content. Hot you content. got the time. <laughs> yes. Right, okay. Thank you again. We love you guys. We'll see you and next thank week. Thank you, Helen. Okay. We'll see you then. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.